episode 19 we've done two in a week so i hope you all feel blessed welcome back to our sick podcast where we chat shit about dead interesting stuff which can be funny yeah well we try and fail well i fail miserably you're quite funny sometimes <laughs> jack's got some if it wasn't so hot i'd blush yeah. he's got some unbelievably big news to tell you all i have it might just make your whole year to be honest so because i am a lucky bastard. I've got my own gym. But I've just had a rearrange of the gym. For one reason, the main reason. One, to make more space, but more importantly, to put one of the gym mirrors in a better position under the light so that the lighting's sick and we can take good pictures. Yeah. I've just said to Isaac before we started recording, um, the lighting is that good that I am fat and hairy and I still look half sick at my top off. So... <laughs> The lighting level in there is fantastic. It's an absolute requirement for me as well. I'm getting to that fluffy season, fluffy stage of the off season. Where I'm it's like, bad. I'm itching. It's probably worse that the lighting's good because you're gonna get a warped sense of how fat you are when you go in there. <laughs> yeah. Like I'll train, get a pump on, and like have like a lot of weight around me midsection, but like still have a bit of abs, still have a bit of like serratus, and be like, I look alright. Yeah, sad. <laughs> Up the calories. And you catch yourself getting out the shower and you're like, oh, fuck. Catch myself leaning over, put my socks on and go, ah, that didn't look like that in the gym, minute. <laughs> well, I'm, this, this, that's already, I'm getting to the point where I am struggling to put socks on. That's Chucky. the, that's the situ- situation I'm dealing with right now. So that's fun. So I'm happy that you've, you've fixed the middle. And the lighting now I can feel massive in the gym. I'm missing the prophecy lighting to be honest. Fantastic lighting, can't wait to get back in an actual real gym with real people. Yeah. So today, I actually don't have a coffee, Jack. Do you have one? No, we're actually recording this at half four on a Sunday. Yeah. So neither of us have got a coffee today because we're actually on it. Yeah, we can't break the caffeine rules. I'm actually quite energetic today, anyway. Don't need one. I'm fired up, it's sunny. Yeah. The weather's lovely. We're going to have a fire pit and a wine tonight. Jeez. Great mood. Unreal. Um, but what we are going to speak about today, it's just going to be a nice, short, snappy podcast, hopefully, and hopefully we don't end up running into like fucking the three hours zone like we normally do. We Someone asked me on my Instagram questions box last week, what are three things that you wish you knew about training before... You, you started lifting. So we're just going to go and list three things and speak about them. Do you want to go first, Jack? What was, you just came up with one, didn't you? I yeah, forgot. I come up with one. It was a good question, this. And actually, when you asked me before we started recording, it, it, you, you need to think about it, don't you? Yeah. Um, my one was, you don't need to lift as much weight as possible to get massive. Like when I first started training, I was... Young, had a big ego, had a big ego that needed massaging <laughs> and was a skinny Muppet. I was overweight and then underweight and not very, didn't have, I've never, I've never been, I've never had loads of muscle. Um, so I was around, around Fijian blokes, around like big blokes when I was in the army that were lifting loads of weight. So my my ego 
was just, well, I need to go and lift loads and loads of weight so that I can get massive. Mm. And the amount of injuries and niggles and lower back pain and sore knees and sore elbows that I got from doing that for years and, and got nowhere. Well, I did, you know, I got stronger mm-hmm. and I got, and I got a little bit bigger, but knowing what I know now, mm-hmm. I could have got well stronger and well bigger in half the time and probably been less injured. Yeah. Definitely yeah. been less injured. 100%. I think this is going to be a really good podcast for people to listen to because it's like so much fucking bullshit on the internet. Like I assume you probably not even just on the internet. Like when you're speaking to people, it's probably like, oh yeah, just fucking whack whack loads of weight on it. People telling you to lift heavy. People on Instagram telling you to do this bullshit or whatever it is that they think is correct because it might have worked for them. And there's like the guy you were talking about the other day. (laughs) Just people think that because yeah. a bit of a physique success they can they can just spout information to people and it creates this just mad unbelievably contradicting information all over the internet and just confuses everyone so i feel like this is why we've both made you made your how to drop a dress size in 30 days just very simple this is exactly what you need to do to drop a dress size. You actually don't need to do all the bullshit. You don't need to take out cards. You don't need to do all this because we just want to make this shit as simple as possible because it actually is extremely simple. That's why I made, I was at 10 pounds of muscle naturally because there's so much bullshit about lifting heavy, like you just said, about you have to do all mad metabolic shit. You have to do fucking intermittent fasting to grow muscle. And it's just like everyone is just completely baffled by all of the misinformation. But this is why we made our, our two... Yours is a webinar series as well, isn't it? Yeah, five-day... Like a five-day free course, essentially. Um, how to drop a dress size in 30 days and feel fantastic. To just eradicate all of the bullshit around weight loss, specifically for women. And how not to have to starve yourself or go on a big detox or cut out carbs or cut out sugar. Enjoy the food that you actually enjoy eating. Mm. How to be a little bit more active than you are now without thinking that you need to be the next Olympic athlete and actually lose weight and feel good at the end of it. Yeah. And this, what you've just said, I meant to say, if you haven't watched Shameless Plug on Shameless Plug for Isaac's Instagram, go and watch his last IGTV. One, the editing was heavy, which I haven't spoke to you about yet. Uh, um, it was good. Yeah, it was funny. It had me laughing. But also, you touched on some really good points in it. Um, yeah, this is actually what I want to... This is what, one of the things that I wish I knew about training, which I'll just speak a little bit about now. But go and obviously watch it on Instagram as well, because go and watch the editing. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I was so proud. What did you do it on? I movie lad. Shut up. Down. Heavy. Nice. <laughs> it's good. I need to buy Final Cut Pro, lad. Yeah, it's... I need a lesson on Final Cut Pro off Carl or something. It's... Yeah, I got the free trial and it was just so fiddly because I'm used to Adobe Premiere and then I got me Mac and it's just like... It's so different. So but... many features on it that I don't really touch when I edit. Yeah. <laughs> it's mad. But yeah, go, go on my Instagram... I coached that commander and listened to that 
uh, or go and go and watch that IGTV because I put it. I even put a Kendrick Lamar tune in to come. Yeah, you did. It was sick. Uh, um, but yeah, the point, the point of our webinar series is is to remove any doubt that you have about about for my one building muscle for Jack's one how to how to lose weight basically, and you've actually got uh one for specifically for females and males as well, haven't you? So yeah. yeah, that's the point of this podcast. The one of the things which I wish I knew before I started lifting is that you don't have to train to failure to grow muscle. So I used to be of the opinion that I mean it makes it obviously just genuinely makes sense. The harder you work in a set, the further you push yourself, the more you're going to grow, the more muscle you're going to build. And so what I used to do is just literally every single set just completely trained all out failure. And then I was, obviously I was grow. You, you you will grow it. You are obviously going to grow muscle if you, if you train ridiculously hard anyway, but it's not going to be optimal because I didn't really understand massively about energy systems. I didn't massively understand about the actual drivers of hypertrophy. I didn't really understand about the whole approach to training and programming and everything. I just thought, right, I'm going to set up a program and I'm just going to train as hard as I fucking can in every single set. And again, it sounds good on paper, but in, act- in actuality, it's probably not the most ideal thing. And this is what the whole IGTV was about. But effectively, what happens if you train to failure all the time is you just massively, massively increase the demand for recovery. So in between sets, there is so much requirement for recovery that if you train the first set to failure and the second set and so on, every set, every subsequent set is going to be of a poorer quality. You're going to hit less weight. You're going to hit less reps. And therefore the volume across the whole exercise is going to go down. And we know that volume is the key driver of hypertrophy. If anyone has not seen that meme, <laughs> I hope you've seen it. If anyone... uh, it's the one I sent you, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. When she whispers in your ear, volume is the key driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is. It is the key driver of hypertrophy. So when you're training every set of failure, you're reducing your volume. So over time, you're probably not going to see the same hypertrophic response because, but on, on the other side, what, what people argue and why people are like, well, no, you have to, you have to train to failure. Is the, you're going to get a bigger muscle building response off of, off, if we look at one set to absolute failure and compare another set where it was sub or not to the same intensity, you will get a bigger muscle building response from going to failure. But the difference between going to failure and going one or two or three reps shy of failure is so minimal that it's almost non-existent to the point where it would be better to just come shy of failure in most of your stuff and accumulate more volume across all sets. I think a really... A really simple way of explaining it, um, you know me, Mr. Simple, is that you've got a window of reps that you need to achieve that will allow your muscles to grow. Let's say, for example, that in the set that you're about to do with the weight that you're about to use, as long as you do anywhere between 12 reps, which is where you start to fatigue, and 15 reps where you completely fail, and can't do any more, anywhere in there is going to be enough 
other stimulus to, to stimulate muscle growth. Any less than 12, and you're probably not going to create as not create enough of a stimulus. If you go all the way up to 15, you're also creating, you're creating the maximum amount of stimulus, but you're also creating the maximum amount of fatigue. Something called MRV, maximum recoverable, recoverable volume is like the most you can do and actually recover from is going to be somewhere in between that 12 and 15. If you constantly hit that to fail every time, yes, huge stimulus for growth, but also a huge stimulus for recovery. Mm. Whereas if you're under failure, your recovery isn't shooting up as much as your stimulus for growth is. Mm -hmm. So you, you cut, you're not, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, I'm constantly getting chased by the need for massive amounts of recovery. The, the, the negatives of training to failure outweigh the benefits. Yeah. So for the very small benefit of going to failure over going one or two reps shy of failure, you're going to massively just in, increase your need to recover and therefore fuck up the rest of your rest of your session. So there's, in my opinion, not really any need to go to failure in every single set. Obviously, there's time and a place to go to failure, but it's definitely not every single set. And it probably shouldn't even be every single week. Like No. Um, it should be a point in your programme where... You decide, right? I'm going to failure now. <laughs> I've worked. I've worked to this. I've almost, like we say, earned the right to go to failure on this set. For a lot of people, they want to lift really, really heavy. And this is where we creep into the ego side of things. They want to lift really, really heavy. They want to be able to say, I lifted more weight this week or I lifted more reps this week. Not only are you fucking the rest of your session up because your volume overall is going to come down, but in the grand scheme of things, Outside of recovery, outside of um, total volume, your risk of injury goes up. The mm. force on your joints goes up. The wear and tear on your muscles, ligaments, tendons all go up when you're in that point of failure. That point of failure is where, and this is what I don't think people grasp when they're going, all right, we're going to failure. Your muscles at that point of failure can no longer control that load. If that load is 90, 100, 200 kilos, your shoulder muscle, your shoulder joint is taking the, if it's a press, your shoulder joint, your elbow joint, your wrist joint are taking the force of that and the muscles surrounding all of those joints are no longer able to control that movement properly. And that's why you failed. Mm -hmm. So not only can you not lift the weight, but bigger picture, your muscles can't support that joint properly now because they failed. Mm. So your risk of injury, if you're doing that every set, every session, your joints, you're just taking an absolute battering. Mm. Yeah. And that I think is missed. Like you do, cause you can't see it. You can't see the micro tears. You can't see the finite bits of damage that are going on within a joint when it's doing that over and over and over again. Mm. You wouldn't drive your car on the rev limiter and only change gear every time it hits the rev limiter, every time you drove, would you? Because your car would be knackered. Yeah. That's what you're doing with your joints. Yeah. Is you're taking your joints and your muscle to that limit every time you lift. <laughs> well, I think 
the a lot of it is just people wanting to feel like they're working hard. Like it's so clear, like nowadays. Like when when you look at science, I I did you I mean I mean I assume you watch IGTV, like pe- looking at people like Chris Bumstead. Have you ever seen him train? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was one of my favorite parts of your video. Yeah. When you said he's arguably got one of the best physiques in the world for what he does. Yeah. <clears throat> he doesn't train. Doesn't train. Trains like a bitch essentially. Like yeah. shit loads of volume. Yeah, just loads of volume. And- but even that, I didn't even want to say that then. Because he doesn't train like a bitch. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. He trains fantastically well. He trains perfectly. Because it works. Yeah. It just he trains like a bitch because he's not going to failure. Yeah. So, like, the, it's, it's just the, the mindset. People want to be the hard worker in the room. They want to look like the alpha. So when they see someone training, like, suboptimally, I mean, not suboptimally, to, to, a, to a, a lower intensity, immediately want to attack people. We obviously we've had conversations before where we've attacked people for for not training hard, but that's when they're talking about intensity. <laughs> there's a but there's a line to all of this, isn't there? A side note: If you're ever gonna do an Instagram post about intensity, make sure it's fucking intense. <laughs> don't do don't do a post about training with intensity and then stop ten reps away from failure. Ten reps away from failure, and all of the reps are half reps. Like yeah. you're gonna do it post about intensity and the example you use is you on a pendulum or you on a leg press or you on a hack squat or you doing a big compound movement i want to see tears in your eyes i don't care it could it could have no weight on the machine you could be using an empty bar but if you're talking about intensity that's a set of failure Mm. that's intensity that's you're in that that range where it hurts and you don't want to do it and you're crying and someone's having to tell you to keep going. No. Half reps on a pendulum for 10 reps. And then stopping because your legs start to burn in a bit. <laughs> but anyway, people like to attack people who are not training hard because they want to feel like the hardest working in the room. And it's just, it, it, it's funny because it's like, why are you you're almost like grinding yourself into the ground with suboptimal programming to boost your own ego to get shit to results when I'm over here programming properly, enjoying the shit, not dying every yeah. single breath, and I'm getting better results than you. So it it just doesn't make sense in my brain. It's like people need to feed their desire to to like I'm I feel like I'm working harder than you. So if I don't get better results, it's because you're on steroids or you're, you're gifted. You've with got genetics. the genetics. You've got the genetics. It's like, but actually you're just being a fucking idiot with your programming. We've, and, and we're not saying this to be like, we're right, you're wrong. Like, look at us, look at how, how we're like, we do, we've been there. Mm-hmm. We've done this to set to failure every session. And we've, We've learned that. Well, I'm fucked. I've learned that we. I've been doing this for four weeks and everything hurts. I, I, I said, I said to you, remember when after the, after summer, this summer I finished the course and I was like, I think I'm going to start training away from failure, and just just see what happens with a bit more volume. I was like, I've been training like I'm on steroids for like the whole of my life, 
and I, I'm not. So I'm just not recovering. My joints are fucked. I can do like one set and then I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> if you're training to true failure, you've got no more than two sets. One set, one one real set, and then a back off. Yeah. And unless, this, like you were saying on your video, like unless you're having like yeah. 10 minutes rest, 20 minutes rest between sets. Yeah. And food. Yeah, and sleep. And it's just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going in reception, having a nap, having some carbs, coming back in, doing your next set. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? This isn't where... I feel it's working, but I feel like I'll be doing more. I changed my approach and then my physique completely changed. Now I look like a different human. Indeed. Um, but the caveat to that is most people can't train to failure. <laughs> so if you're one of them, it's hard to know if you are or not because I feel like you might think you are, but you won't be. <laughs> a lot of people. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's so hard. I can't. I'm I'm one of them. I can't train to failure on my own. Yeah. I can go to failure if you're in my ear. Yeah. But I can't go to failure on my own. Yeah. I used to be able to, but the I'm stronger and I'm bigger. So yeah. what it takes me to go to failure now, especially on legs, because yeah. my legs are like my quads are just completely out of proportion to the whole rest of my body. <laughs> What it takes for my quads to actually go to failure, for me, is fucking excruciating. Mm. So I need, I can't go to failure on them. Yeah. Um, Without me screaming at you. Yeah. And no, you call me a little bitch. It's, I think it's people's definition of failure. And I think just even people who've been training for years don't know what failure feels like. Because I think you genuinely need someone to take you to that who's who's experienced and can make sure it's done in a safe manner and so on. I remember I used to think I was training hard and then I trained with Alistair and I was like, oh my God. Like yeah. After like four or five months of training and I trained with Alistair and my head was just blown. I was like, right, my body can do that. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> my brain wanted to stop about 20 minutes ago and I continued the set and it was just like, right, so my brain was making me be a little bitch now I'm aware of what the body can actually do and until you actually have someone there to literally drag you through that headspace for the first time until you understand what the body's actually capable of you won't understand what failure is so only really legs only legs yeah I find that you need someone to drag you through it do you think see I even think on I even think on, on upper body as well. Like when not so much to the point where people can't train to failure on upper body, but like people don't understand what actual failure is. Yeah. What like, people don't understand what it is, but I think from, from our point of view, sorry, where we know, I know the pain I need to go through. I know like you asked me a question in the middle of the set, you do it with your clients in person, which I love because it works. Asking someone, can you do one more? If you ask someone, can you do one more right now? We haven't reached failure. Yeah. That's probably the easiest way to answer it. If you're no matter how much how much pain you're in or how much pain you perceive you your body to be in, if you drop that weight now, could you immediately pick it back up and do one more? <laughs> we haven't reached failure then. Yeah. But it's it's so hard for people to understand that. So when I'm trying to get this point across, it's difficult because people 
might take that and think, oh, I'm one of the people who trains to failure. Isaac's telling me to train not like I do currently all the time. And then that might mean that you're actually training miles away from failure because you were actually not there in the first place. Yeah. Now you're going to get small. So it's like, it's a difficult situation in, in most cases. If you know you, if you know you're an individual who can train to failure, take my advice. If you're not sure and you're relatively new to training, probably just try and train harder. Is what I would say. But understand you don't have to train to failure to get massive and it'd probably be better if you come about one or two reps shy of failure, I think. But it's very hard to gauge unless you're a seasoned veteran. <laughs> Isn't it? Unless you've been hurt, unless you've had your whole unless you've had your Unless you had your whole hurt. Unless you had your soul hurt. You don't have your whole hurt. <laughs> a whole other kind of podcast. Um, unless you've had your soul hurt by someone who doesn't really care about your feelings. Yeah. You you don't know where you can go to. Um, and you and Ali, I am very fortunate to have had the, the pleasure. Ooh. I don't think it was pleasure. The pain of both of you taking me through sets in the past, and you remember that one set we both took you through, where we had our thumbs directly inserted into your rectum. That's the one that springs to mind every time. That probably the worst, single worst set of any exercise I've ever done, ever. Um, and it probably was only like bear in mind I've done stuff that took like three days to complete. Four days of months of work, like months of pain every day, would trade all of that for that set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was disgusting. It, it was awful. But you, after that, were like, oh, holy shit, that probably took you to a whole new level. Like, at that yeah. point, you probably thought, you've been training for years, you probably thought, oh, I know what failure feels like. And we took you to a whole different place. Mm-hmm. Took two years, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, go on hit me with another one what what do you wish you knew when you first started training that you know now you don't need to get shredded before a gaining phase to make it effective did you want to speak because you said hit me or do you want me to start no I was I wanted to bring another one yeah so go on so I was of the opinion that because everyone sort of says it you have to get shredded or in you have to get nice and lean because of all these things happening in your body and then you can go into a gaining phase and it'll be more effective and the main things you normally hear about are testosterone will be higher when you're leaner insulin insulin sensitivity will be higher when you're leaner and that will help you obviously testosterone to build muscle insulin sensitivity means you can handle carbs better you can push food quicker you can train harder recover better and so on and therefore build muscle quicker and so what I basically did was after like three months of training decided to get to like fucking seven percent body fat <laughs> like a fucking idiot and then go into a gaining phase which probably in hindsight was like the worst thing we could have done I probably should have just went into a gaining phase absolutely utilized the newbie gains to their maximum potential and stayed in a prolonged bulk which would be my advice to anyone who's sort of starting the gym now. Well, I don't know what your opinion is. Stay in a gaining phase until you're actually massive and then cut. Mm. Nah, I'm the other side of the fence. Do you reckon? Yeah, 
I think if you're debating whether you need to, because people do it all the time, it's probably one of the things we, even though I don't work with that. Yeah, so this is what I literally oh, posted about this this morning. If you if you're in between, if if you have to ask yourself, should I cut or bulk? It's cut pretty much always. It's yeah. cut, and then and then bulk. If you're fat, or if you're someone who is your body fat in check, you're quite lean, and you're starting the gym, probably get massive first and then cut. But if you're already a bit fat, yeah. If it. you're if you're built like a footballer if you're someone who's played footy for years to a decent standard yeah and you you think you're going to go and play for liverpool and you get injured or your knee goes or whatever and you're not going to be a professional footballer so you're looking for something else to do so you start going to gym you can go and get massive yeah chances are you're going to be relatively lean well, this is exactly gonna... what happened to me <laughs> it's yeah like xboxers who can't box anymore x x runners or x like with an athletic background who are relatively lean, haven't got much body fat, if like single digit body fat, and that's just because that's the, the way you're built. Yeah, go and get big. Like go and like up your food, start lifting heavy, start lifting heavier, um, start getting stronger. And otherwise, like I think because we both come from different different starting points. Yeah. I started and was like, was the guy going, should I cut, should I bulk? Well, bulk means I get to eat more food, so I'll bulk. <laughs> and then I was just a bigger, overweight version of me, <laughs> which ties nicely to my next thing I wish I knew. Before we move on, lad, I feel like I've got so much more to unpack from this. We'll come back to it, but mine ties into it quite nicely. You don't need a massive amount of calories to gain weight, to gain muscle. Yeah, no. Like my new me just started in the gym, like year one gym jack was like, rock bodybuilding. Yeah, right, okay. Let's look at let's go and watch um oh, what was it called? Pump and iron. Let's go and watch pump and iron. Talking them talking about them talk, eating like ten thousand calories on their rest days. And I'm like, sounds right. Well, I'll start on five then. And I weighed about, I was like already overweight. <laughs> like banging 5,000 calories in. Well, that's something I always hear. I don't know about, about you. I don't think you deal with this these type of clients, but people who are um, wanting to build muscle who are, already like, who are already lean but quite skinny and want to gain weight quickly. And they weigh like 60 kilos and messaging me saying, right, so I've done this with nutrition and I've, I've pushed me calories up to like 4,500. I'm like, why? Why? Yeah, why? Like, what, where did that come from? Wait, where, where, where did you gather that number from? Because you don't need that much food at all. That's more than I eat. You don't need that much food. Yeah. Like, I think I really massively unpacked this in the webinar series, which I was talking about at the start. Like, and I think I've explained this analogy to you before, Jack, that I heard some dude called Patrick Tor use once. Yeah. Where you we're giving our body information to, to make a change. So when we train, we're giving it the information that it needs to grow. The nutrition that we have, i.e., a calorie surplus, supports that change. So we give the information, we ask our body to change, and then the nutrition supports that. By 
giving your body an additional maybe 500 calories than what it needs we're supporting that growth if you give an additional thousand you're not giving any new information you're just giving an excessive supporting role which just ends up getting sold as fat effectively like if you're 60 kilos you don't need to look at fucking nathan the ashes diet and think i need that <laughs> you just need to probably start eating three or four times a day and yeah. get 50, 50 grams of protein at each meal and you'll be fine i i think i was looking at i can't even remember it's in pumping iron the second one um never seen them one. and i think it was ronnie having a conversation with someone um and he just got injured i can't remember and honestly it's been years since i watched it but they're sitting at the table i remember it and he's like what what calories are you on now and he's like oh i'm on about I'm on about nine on rest days and I'm on about 12 on training days. And I was just like, and that, like, even now, I think I don't think they were on that much. No. No matter how big they were. No. Like, I don't know how big, I don't know how big insulin was back then. Cause this is like 1970s, 1980s. Mm. Were they using insulin in massive amounts there? Was it a very simple, like there wasn't a massive amount of steroids around. For them to use the knowledge on steroids was was relatively new mm. um so there wouldn't have been the massive amounts of chemical assistance to make them require that amount of calories like how how much work would they be doing do you know what i mean i don't know mm. uh, like training twice a day training two and a half hours at a go then yeah you probably would need nine ten thousand but if you're training an hour a day twice a day you don't need 10,000 calories, no matter how big you are. No. Unless, you're, unless you're trying to be like world's no. strongest man. Eddie yeah. Hall. yeah, Eddie Hall, trying to weigh like 200, 300, 400 pounds. <laughs> Mad. Um, but yeah, that, that is a very good one, which you interjected in with the, you don't need to eat fucking massive amounts of food. You just need to probably create a calorie surplus of, I say between 200 and 500 to start off with and then yeah. go from there. Um, what was that? What was the point? So I was talking about stuff and written. Don't need, don't need to get treads to have an effective book. So, yeah, I decided to get absolutely peeled after about three or four months of training, which I wish, as I said, I would have made the most of the newbie gains rather than spending six months getting shredded and having my testosterone on the absolute floor with no sex drive for about a month. <laughs> And then having to regain all of that shit. So basically wasting all eight months of newbie gains for no reason, really. Just to get shredded, because I thought it would make the bulk more effective, when in actuality it probably made it a bit worse. Um, but that was a mistake. Also, I uh, you, you know, obviously, um, Eric Helmstra, don't you? Yeah. The mass dude. I was listening to one of his podcasts the other day. We are told often that we need to get leaner so our insulin sensitivity is better and therefore we can build muscle more effectively. He was talking about this and he was just like, well, it's just completely redundant. It doesn't make sense because there's so much more <laughs> to build a muscle than insulin resistance, like, obviously. Like, the, everything, your nutrition, obviously, is comprised of just much more than how you actually deal with carbohydrates yeah 
in itself but then there's also there's genetics there's training what's your training like what's your sleep like yeah. what's your stress like like there's so much more so like yeah. if you're slightly more insulin sensitive because you lost like 10% body fat unless you were massively insulin resistant in the first place it's not going to fucking make a difference at all yeah like unless you, you unless you are someone who was overweight and like was well, becoming no but even this get on this right he brought up a study where they had um, NFL players, you know, is it lineman? The big fucking fuck. Yeah, the big, the big, like the big heavy dude. Yeah. yeah. So they basically put them all through a resistance training program. I don't know how controlled it was or what they. I mean, I don't know how they worked it perfect, like exactly. But they basically measured the insulin resistance and how that changed through a resistance training program, and basically found that. Even most of the people who grow who grew the most with the lines with the linesman was it? Did I just say? Yeah, I think that's what they're called. Linebacker. I don't know the people on the front, the big cunts. Yeah. <laughs> Let's call them the big cunts. The big cunts grew the most, but most of them were insulin resistant because they're like they're basically obese. Yeah. And it was like so that there is clear evidence that you insulin is not the key fucking driver of muscle growth. Yeah. Because these people are insulin resistant and they're growing more than people who are insulin sensitive because <laughs> they are endomorphic. They've got unbelievable muscle building genetics. They're just going to pack on tissue extremely quickly, yeah. regardless of whether they're insulin resistant or not. So that just, in my eyes, completely blows out the water, the insulin, the insulin argument. Obviously, you'd need much more science to support that for, for us to say insulin doesn't matter at all. And it obviously yeah. matters to some extent, but it's not to the point where you need to completely base your decision to cut or bulk on, I'm going to cut so I have better insulin and then I can, I, well, I can have a more effective bulk. On that point of insulin, it's it's almost counterintuitive to, to get that lean in a diet. What's one of the first thing that goes to shit when you're that lean? Is your sleep. Yeah. Like you sleep like shit. When you like latter stages of a cut to get like peeled, you're fucked, but you can't sleep. Your sleep's all over the place. You wake up in the middle of the night, you you're knackered, you're done in all day, but your sleep's terrible. And the research shows that loss of sleep, even to a small extent, so like losing an hour's sleep registers people as pre-diabetic the next morning because it fucks yeah. with their insulin, their ability to produce insulin. So you're yeah. getting that lean to make yourself more insulin, insulin sensitive. Yeah. But then you're not sleeping properly because you're that fucked. Yeah. So you're not insulin sensitive anyway. <laughs> yeah. And plus all the fucking negative effects of fucking bad sleep anyway. Yeah. Again, so on a absolutely unpacked massively in the lifestyle webinar, in the webinar series, is we did, I basically spoke for about half an hour on sleep. You know how much I love sleep. <laughs> I've got a I've got a, a fantastic TED Talk sleep for you to watch. Yeah. The I don't get less than eight hours now after yeah. watching this one TED Talk. The the statistics he brought up kept feet scared me. <laughs> like I was like, well, fucking hell, seven and a half hours isn't cutting it then because I was like seven and a half to nine hours. You got you golden. He was like eight hours. Any less than eight hours, here's the myriad of things that go wrong in your body. And I was like, whoa. One of them, 
was antibody production. Yeah. Um, one hour less sleep, so seven hours sleep in a in this study, and they measured antibody production over a week. I think it was. So it was a week of seven hours sleep compared to a week of eight. Antibody production was down by 50%. Mad. Your body's ability to fight off anything and everything was reduced by 50%. That's so. And I was like, right, well, I'm not. He was yeah. like, this is why people die early. Yeah. He was like, the way he phrased it was fantastic. He said, we are the only animal alive that actively restricts its own sleep. <laughs> We're the only ones that go out of our way to get less sleep. <laughs> and our evolution as humans hasn't adapted to deal with that. Yeah. We've adapted to deal with a, a, a shit ton of stuff as humans. Our bodies adapted to it through evolution loss of sleep or lack of sleep we haven't adapted to deal with so whenever anyone's body has a lack of sleep even for one night our body can't recover from that mm. and things stop functioning or function more poorly on a on a system-wide scale throughout the body mad mad well i think going back to what we were saying before People want to feel like they're the hardest workers in the room. It always makes me laugh when people are like, yeah, I'll just start getting up at 5 a.m. to go for one. Why? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, you're going to go to bed earlier? Nah, watching Netflix. <laughs> I'll get up and be tired and just grind through it. <laughs> and then work all day and lose my job. <laughs> Sounds when you die at like 50. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're going to be the hardest worker in the room but massive, knock massive chunks off your health span. <laughs> For what? So that you can feel good about, oh. so your ego can feel good now about how hard you work. Like, yeah. I, I'm so I'm so on the opposite side of the fence now that like, my ego gets massaged because I'm not the hardest, I'm not the hardest worker. Like, yeah. no, I get eight hours sleep. I finish work at half eight. <laughs> I don't start work till seven. Like I don't get out of bed till seven. No, yeah. Like I don't want to get up at half six, so I don't, because I can get more sleep if I stay in bed. <laughs> like, wow, you get up at half five and made up for you. I got eight hours unbroken sleep last night and got up at seven. <laughs> Matt me. And I'm still gonna get all my shit done. And I'm, gonna- <laughs> and I'm still gonna get loads of work done. <laughs> I'm gonna feel less tired. I'm gonna feel happier. I'm gonna digest food better. I'm gonna train harder. I'm gonna live longer. I'm gonna live longer. I'm gonna outlive you. <laughs> so circling back to the point there's no need to get lean for insulin because your sleep might go shit therefore your insulin shit and also your sleep is probably one of the most overlooked things in terms of health and muscle growth in general just supporting body composition and now we actually did a webinar on this in summer didn't we anyway we did if anyone wants to go and watch that it's on your youtube just type in silver jack yeah, Silver Jack's sleep webinar. It'll be on there. Or actually, if you want to see the new one that I made, go into my Instagram bio and click the link tree and then click how to add 10 pounds a month on actually, and it's day three. Um, also, I wanted to touch upon another reason, well, what I was talking about, the two things why you might want to get lean before you go into a bulk. 
we spoke about insulin quite a lot there. Testosterone, people think your testosterone gets better as you get leaner. It probably does, but it probably doesn't get that much better where it's going to massively, massively improve your ability to to gain tissue. And I think that only applies, if you're natural anyway, only applies if you get to a, a sensible level of leanness. So if you get to like 10 or 9% or maybe 8% body fat, yeah, fine. That's probably going to apply. If you decide that you want to do a cut and get to like fucking 6 or 7% body fat and get absolutely shredded, your testosterone will be the lowest it will probably ever be in the fucking world. Yeah. As I said, I couldn't get a bone for about a month, two months. No sex drive because I decided to get that lean. So testosterone is definitely not going up as a natural bodybuilder by getting lean. So it's not. It's I, I actually had this conversation with a client the other day, but about female hormones. Um, mm-hmm. cause obviously mainly work with females. Um, I do work with males. They just don't like working with me. <laughs> um, I don't, I'm not they don't like working with me. I've got I've got male clients. I think I just I must have a really feminine looking face and uh, women <laughs> like working with me. Um, yeah, I had this conversation that as you get that lean outside of 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 what we what we do as humans, like oh, I want to get that lean because it makes me look good, it makes me feel good, blah, blah blah blah. Well, your body doesn't understand that. Yeah, your body thinks it's starving. Yeah, your body is is now like. It's not going into starvation mode. It's not a thing before we, before anyone thinks that's what I'm about to say. Doesn't exist. Not real. Made up by some Karen somewhere off on the internet somewhere. <laughs> um, your body goes into like a defensive mode. Your body's sole purpose every single day that you're alive, your body, your brain, its sole job is to keep you alive. You as a conscious being, conscious thinking being, spend all day fucking with that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and the unconscious part of the subconscious part of your brain spends all day unfucking all of the things that we do and trying to keep you alive and trying to protect you. When you're dieting to your brain, all your brain understands is that it's starving, that it isn't being provided with enough nutrients and enough sustenance to support what it needs to do that day if it continues doing that and it continues getting the signals of not enough food, not enough energy being provided, it starts shutting down non-essential processes, things that don't need to happen to keep you alive so that it can save energy to keep you alive, to keep the vital organs functioning at 100%. So for women, one of the things that happens is it shuts down your ovulation, it shuts down periods, because one, you don't have the energy to sustain and support the growth of a new life form. And if you were to birth a new child, you wouldn't have the energy to feed that child. And so it would die. So your body is very smart and it goes, right, well, you can't grow another human because you haven't got enough food for you. Mm. It shuts it down. That also saves a massive amount of, of calorie expenditure through the day to be used on keeping your heart moving and your your brain functioning, your heart going. But then the same thing happens for males. You haven't got enough food to support your, what's what's essentially, what your brain's essentially decided is that you haven't got enough energy to support the movement you've done today. You haven't got enough energy to support trying to produce another life by having sex. 
we'll just lower your testosterone down. We don't need to produce as much testosterone because mm-hmm. we're trying to not die. We're trying to make sure you don't waste more energy protecting you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is mind-boggling and, and amazing that the body can do that. But that you take yourself to that point, you don't perform better. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> so I think the the question should you cut or bulk depends on on where you are and i spoke about this in the igtv i think it depends on your values but in general just understand that you don't need to get peeled first before you go in, in, into a bulk and if you want advice on how to decide go and watch my igtv and like it and comment on it <laughs> <laughs> nice one um that's all the three that we came up with is there anything else you want to say Jack? No, I've said far too much today. No, I've said enough. I think that was a good one. Um, we've probably rolled over a half an hour. I haven't seen when we started. Yeah, we um, Like an hour, that I think. Maybe a bit. Yeah. Ah, well, fuck it. Enjoy this it. One is. It was interesting. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> if you are, thanks. Um, that is all. If you have any questions for our brothers, I am on Instagram at coach.comada, Jack, at Jack Silverjack. At Jack Silverjacks. And thank you for listening. We will see you all in episode 20. Fuck. Next week. Heavy that. We'll do another one next week. No, Every week now. <laughs> see you later.